going to make some financial declarations over our church. These are, these are declarations I'm making daily. Um, we're going to continue our talk about money. The name of this series is Money Talks. <laughs> um, yeah, you can be excited, Taylor. It's all right. Lord, we do thank you that you're inviting us to partner with you. We're so excited about your kingdom advancing. It always is. Lord, you're going to have your way, and you are inviting us to partner with you to see amazing things happen, not only in our lives, but through our lives, in the lives of people around us. And Father, we thank you for your anointing on our hearts today. We open our hearts, Holy Spirit, and we say, have your way, deal with us. We want you to teach us, Lord. And we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word and embrace your word so we can be blessed in all that we do. And Father, I thank you that we are growing in our biblical understanding concerning finances. Therefore, we are managing our finances in a way that honors and pleases you. And because we are amazing stewards of your resources, you are entrusting us with more. And Holy Spirit, thank you for destroying the poverty mindset that once resided in our souls and for replacing it with a kingdom mindset concerning finances. And because our passion is to partner with revival and the advancement of your kingdom, this church is full of generous givers. And as a result, we have more than enough finances needed to accomplish every kingdom assignment you have for this body. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue, and I'm going to do some reviewing from last week because we had some technical difficulties, uh, internet challenges and everything. So the, ser the sermon that was that I shared last week, uh, it is not available. It's all messed up. And, um, and so I'm going to go over a little bit. Usually I could say, well, listen to last week's sermon, but I can't say that this time. So I will be doing a little bit of reviewing. But basically, we're talking about money. We're going to be talking about money for a little while. And how many of you realize money is a big deal? And would you agree with that? Money is a big deal. Many of us think about money quite often. Or we think about the lack of money quite often. And it's a big deal. And, and matter of fact, Jesus talked more about money and finances. He, talked, he dealt with that topic more than any other topic. Um, so obviously, it's a big deal. There's a verse in Proverbs 13, 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. There are many saints that believe that in the end times that God is storing up wealth that the sinners have, and he's going to transfer it to the righteous. He's going to transfer it to his children for the sake of financing his kingdom, of doing the work that he wants to have accomplished in the world. So the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. You know, God is in the process of advancing and establishing his kingdom, and he's inviting us to be a part of it. But how many of you guys realize that practical stuff done on the earth costs money, Right? Now, God has all the money. I mean, he owns it all. And he wants his people to have it so that we can practically participate <coughs> with what he's wanting to do and what he's wanting to accomplish. You know, in these ministries, when people participate in ministries, for example, missionaries, when they go overseas or they go wherever they're called to minister to people, it costs them money. When they go to where they're going, it's typically not free. And they don't just show up and say, you know what, I'm a missionary. And they're like, oh, you're a missionary. Everything's free. You know, I don't think it works that way. Um, and, you know, ministries that we have, anybody ever heard of Teen Challenge? Teen Challenge? It's a Christian uh, drug rehab center, Bible-based. And I heard 
um, that there's one, they're in the process of, of getting one here in Stillwater, which I'm really excited about. But how many of you guys realize for that center to operate and run efficiently and effectively, it costs money? It costs money for the electricity. It costs money to feed the people. It costs money for the staff and, and all that kind of stuff. So I believe the, a reason why the wealth is being tra transferred over to God's people is so that we can use the resources and finance what God is wanting to do on the earth. Does that make sense? So God is doing some wonderful things, and he's inviting us to partner with him. <clears throat> you know, as I was saying last week, when, uh, as the Lord was, has really been encouraging me with this thing as far as the city, you know, praying against crime, violent crime, drugs, and all that kind of thing, and as I've been praying and making declarations and, and, and just going at it, and all of a sudden this, this stuff about finances, and I just started praying over the economy in Payne County, and just making declarations over the economy, and these crazy types of declarations, and, and that the business is prospering, and, and not just Christian businessmen, but non-Christian, I mean even atheists, and my prayer is that they become so overwhelmed by the love of God, the goodness of God, you know, because the Bible says the goodness of God that leads man to repentance, so a person who doesn't even love God or care about God, all of a sudden they get blessed but they somehow know that God is doing it because it's supernatural. And then they turn their lives, they turn to him. But I've been praying for finances, and I, but I was wondering why in the world, what does this have to do with crime? What does this have to do with, with abuse or drugs and all that? And then I realized he be, he's beginning to show me there is a connection. There is a connection. For, God's wanting to bring transformation here in, in New Covenant. Excuse me. Yeah, New Covenant too. Stillwater, Payne County. And part of that transformation has a lot to do with wealth. It has a lot to do with resources. It has a lot to do with finances. One thing I think is really sad that I don't believe it's the way it should be, but it's, it's the way it is. When missionaries have to spend so much of their time, I, let's see, what's the word? Um, rate, itinerating, raising money, so that they can go on the mission field and do what God's called them to do. You know, I know uh, Mark Bruner, he spends, he and his wife spend all their time, they're full-time in Europe, in, in, in Slovakia, and they work hard. He's a very hard-working man, and they do all these things, and they work, 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 and then he comes to America not to rest and relax, but to itinerate. In other words, travel from church to church to church to church to church to church, preaching the gospel, raising money so that he can go back overseas and do what God's called them to do. And I know I have friends here. We have, we have people in our congregation, many missionaries that we're associated with, that we support, that we bless and everything. They have to spend so much time trying to raise money. And then before they even get on the field, they're worn out. And I believe that if us Christians would handle our resources the way God intends for us, according to his biblical principles, his laws, his, his kingdom principles. Let's say that. If we, as his children, would treat our finances that way, then I believe the missionaries wouldn't have to spend all that time raising their money. The resources would be there. 
I believe that if we, and when I say we, I'm not talking about just New Covenant. I'm talking about, about Christians. I forgot to look up the statistic recently, but a long time ago when I looked it up years ago, how many, what percentage of Christians tithe? And it's not even a tithe. It's not even 10%. I think it was 2 to 3% of Christians tithe into the kingdom. So my thought is, 2 to 3% of Christians tithe. Imagine if 30, 40, 50% tithe, gave regularly to their local churches, to the ministries that, that God puts on their hearts. There would be plenty of resources for God's people to do what they're called to do. I mean, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, we're not taking up any special offering today, so you can relax. You can let go of that checkbook. You know, I know when we talk about money, or when people talk about money, I mean, we talk about money all the time. I preach on money about every week, right? Oh, I don't. Now, those of you who've been here, you know that we do not talk about money a lot. We do not, you know, our, our, the way we give and everything, invite you to give. We are not in-your-face type of people. And I know many of you appreciate that. But however, I realize, I feel like the Lord has convicted me, because money is such an important thing in our lives, that to, to, it is my responsibility to encourage and challenge you and minister to you in the area of finances. I've been a pastor for going on, well, five and a half years now, and not one time have I, well, I take that back. One time we did. We did a, we did a series on money about three years ago, two or three years ago, and there were three of us that did that, me, Cornell, and Greg. You guys remember that? Anybody remember that? Outside of that, I've never taught on finances. And I realized why. Because about six, seven months ago, the Lord began to deal with me and encourage me in this area. And I realized that I was afraid to talk about money. Because of the issues and the, the um, thought process that I had concerning money. So it was very easy for me just to put that aside. And we're going to talk about important things. We're going to talk about, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit or, or healing and getting people saved and treasure hunting and all that kind of stuff, which are important. But how many of you guys realize that money is important as well? Matter of fact, money is so important that Jesus spent most of the time talking about it, but yet we're afraid to talk about it, or I was afraid to talk about it. And many of us, when someone starts talking about money, we get uncomfortable, we get defensive, we get protective, and I understand all the abuses, the uh, manipulations. You know, the church has a reputation in the world of we're all about all we want is your money. You know, I'm sure you've heard that from, from people. All the church wants is your money. And then the examples that, that are in the kingdom, in, in, in churchdom, of people who do take advantage. Ministers who, who do take and manipulate and, and put pressure ungodly pressure on people to give and then they use the money in ways that they shouldn't be using the money and so money has been an abused issue would you agree with that it has been abused and so therefore people are gun shy 
And maybe that's part of the reason why I never talked about it. But I realize that my responsibility as a pastor is to equip the saints. And if money is an extremely important area, then my responsibility is to be, bring equipping in that area. Would you agree? And so therefore, we are going to talk about money because it, it's extremely important. And I have to say, I went from being afraid and nervous and uptight about talking about it to becoming very excited. Extremely excited. I've been thinking about it a lot. Because I'm realizing and understanding in a greater way the invitation that the Lord is inviting us into. The invitation that he's inviting us into. You know, months ago I talked about um, stuff, whatever I was talking about. And the one verse of the passage that I, that I harped on a lot was John chapter 15, verse 7 and 9, somewhere around there. Where Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you desire and I will do it for you. You guys remember that passage? Remember when I talked about that a lot? And a lot of times we, we look at those verses and, and we don't, we, it's like, so he's saying I can ask whatever I want. Well, he really can't mean that. That's got to be full of metaphors and stuff. And so we, we back off those verses because we don't know what to do with them. I really believe Jesus meant what he said in that passage. Because there are other passages where he says something similar. One is when he said, you know, things like if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and believe it, not doubt, you sh it shall happen. Because whatever you pray for believing, you shall have it. Another one of those crazy verses. Jesus also said, if you ask anything in my name, that will I do that my father's glorified. And so Jesus is inviting us into the kind of relationship to where he can partner with us to where we can literally ask for what we desire, and he answers that prayer. I mean, think about it. That sounds pretty crazy. And so when it comes to money, I'm realizing that he is inviting us into partnership with him because we realize that he owns it all, right? Psalms 24.1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all, it, and all its people belong to him. So God owns it all. And that he's wanting to partner with us. And so this is a very important thing because people are in bondage, people are in debt. We don't like to talk about money because it reminds us of a painful issue in our lives. It reminds us of how much money we don't have, that we wish we had more of it. But I believe that when we align ourselves with God's ways, his principles, his word, his laws, concerning our money, he's inviting us into a miraculous lifestyle. A miraculous lifestyle. I'm going to, since we're going to be doing a series and I'm going to be talking about this for a while, I'm going to skip down to my notes and, and I want to just talk about one, one thing. I'm going to talk about what's the purpose of money? What's the purpose of money? I think that's one thing if we understand what it's for, 
then that can help us. I believe the first purpose is to finance kingdom activities of local churches, ministries, and missionaries. The purpose of money is to finance ministries, local churches, ministries, missionaries. And you know, when I was putting this down, I was going to put, well, first is to meet needs. I was going to put that first. But I felt a check to put kingdom first. And you know why? Because you're thinking, now wait a minute, God wants my needs to be met first, right? Not according to his word. He says, Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, and these other things were, he talked about them being worried about food and about what they're going to wear, about shelter. The things that we daily are concerned about, our needs. He talks about those things in Matthew chapter 6. And he says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, the people of the world, they are consumed with thoughts about this. They are worried about these things. And unfortunately, many of us are worried about these things as well. And so we spend so much time not only thinking about it, but pursuing, making sure we have enough money so we're taken care of. And you realize the kingdom is, is backwards from our thinking. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So God is saying, here's the way I want you to do it. Here's how my kingdom operates. You put me first and my priorities first, I'll take care of you. My question is, who do you think can take better care of you? Now, many of us really don't believe. Now, of course, the rhetorical answer, that's a rhetorical question. Of course, God can take better care of me. But we really don't believe that if we look at how we're pursuing money or we're looking at the priority that money places in our lives. So he's inviting us into a, a lifestyle that's miraculous. So finances, the purpose of finances is for kingdom activities, for lo of local churches, ministries, and missionaries. You know, in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Let me read that again. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And the, the interesting thing is with your first fruits or your fruits that are first. The first, now, of course, he's talking produce and, and, and the Old Testament animals and those kinds of things, but that's, that, was their, that was their currency for a great part, was animals and, and um, produce and that kind of thing. It's not that much, not so with us. And so with us, it would be our pay. You know, we work, we get a paycheck, and so it would be translated to the first part of your paycheck, that's what you give first. And it says to honor the Lord. I'm not going to talk about giving and tithing, all that kind of stuff this week. But I just want to remind you of that and, and show you that he's saying, check this out. You give me your first first and see what I will do. And that's what the Lord says. See what I will do. You know, there are many Christians that I believe get disillusioned, get frustrated. They get discouraged and they quit. They say, oh, that Christianity thing didn't work for me. I'm done. Concerning finances, 
Because many people will quote the promises of God. Well, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. How many of you have heard that or said that? We're quoting God's provision, saying, God, your word says that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all my needs. And we're standing on that. We're standing on that. The context of that verse, Paul was commending the saints for sending an offering to the poor. And he was thanking them for that offering. In that context, for them giving, and he said, my God shall supply all your needs. If we're not handling our finances according to biblical principles and laws, we cannot expect the promises of God. Let me give you another example. If, if I'm quoting God's protection over me, God will send his angels to keep charge over me so that I will not dash my foot again. You know, I will not hurt myself. God will protect me. And I decide to jump, do a backflip off the top of this building. And I break both of my legs and my wrists. I'm like, God, what happened? I thought you were going to protect me. And he says, you seem to have forgotten about the law of gravity. Christians aren't exempt from the law of gravity. If I choose to violate his principles and his laws but expect his protection, that's kind of ludicrous, right? And we do that. We're, we're calling forth and we're declaring God's provision, God's blessing on our finances, but yet we're violating his principles with our finances. So use the purpose of money to finance kingdom activities. Number two, to meet our needs. To meet our needs. Number three, for our enjoyment. Do you realize that God blesses us, gives us resources for our enjoyment? Do you realize that? Now, many of us, if not all of us, agree with that to the extent that we will do the enjoyment part before we take care of the needs part. You know, we get a paycheck. Woo, it's the first of the month. I got money. And we go to the fair, to the circus, to the carnival. We do all this, whatever it is. We spend half our paycheck, and it's like, oh, yeah, I have an electric bill to pay. Oh, yeah, I have a mortgage or, or whatever. And then we're like, God, but you said you would take care of me. I don't have enough money to pay my electric bill. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And we're quoting scripture. But we're violating his very principles. And see, the thing that we become afraid of or we, be, we think is taboo, when you start talking about principles, when you start talking about biblical principles, laws, that God has given us to help govern us, we want to cry legalism. Hey, I'm free from the law. How about that law of gravity? You free from that? And you know, there are physical laws. There are, I believe, financial laws. And you realize, I believe that you don't even have to be a Christian 
and you tap into the financial laws and you get blessed. Because there are business people that don't even acknowledge God, don't even believe in God, but yet they do certain things and they're blessed because they are treating their finances according to biblical principles. And yet, some of us as Christians, we expect the blessing of God, but we're violating His principles. And you know what? Uh, one of the main passages that I shared last week was about the parable of the talents. Remember the king? Jesus said, this is what the kingdom is like. And he said, a king called his servants. He had three servants that he called. And he gave one of them five talents. He gave one of them two talents. And he gave one of them one talent. And he went away. And then he came back a time later. He says, he called his servants. He said, okay, what have you done with the money that I entrusted you with? And he says, you know, I did this and I did that. And I've doubled your money. You gave me five Here's 10. And the king celebrated that servant. He said, that is awesome. I appreciate that. And he says, you know what? Because you were faithful with what I gave you, here, here's more. Because you were faithful with the little, I'm going to make you ruler over much. Because you were faithful with that little responsibility that I gave you, I'm giving you more responsibility, more wealth, more resources. It does mean responsibility, too. And then the one who he, uh, he gave two talents to did the same thing. He doubled it. He celebrated and blessed him. Says, you were faithful with a little bit. I'm going to make you ruler over much. And then the one servant who was afraid and thought the king was lazy or wicked or whatever, he said, you know, I, I, here's your money back. Here's your talent back. He says, I, I was afraid. Didn't want to take any chances, but I didn't lose your money. And the king didn't celebrate him. He had some pretty harsh words for him. And so the question, when we think, what if God is turning the wealth of the wicked to the righteous, which people are going to get it? I believe, simply put, those who are faithful with what they've been given. If we learn to be faithful with what we have now, see, we think it's about, if I just had more money, if I just had more money, that would solve my problems. But it starts with being faithful with what you have right now. If you're faithful with what you have right now, you learn to manage that well and learn to, and to, and to do with it the way God would encourage you to do from his word. Then he can entrust you with more, and he will entrust you with more. Because just having more money is not the answer. I, just like I shared last week, 70-something percent, I think it's 77, 78 percent of the people who win the lottery, you know, win mega millions and all that, 70-something percent of them are worse off a few years later than they were before they won the lottery. And you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You try it with me. Give me that mega millions and we'll see. I'll be the guinea pig. Because we think that if, if, if I'm not faithful with what I have, my $100, and all of a sudden I think I'm going to know how to manage a million dollars, are you kidding me? It's not going to work. You know, some of these athletes, it's, it's really sad. Some of these athletes, they're kids, 21, 22 years old. These football players, for example, these basketball players, they go from being broke to all of a sudden, with a stroke of a pen, they're multi-millionaires. $100 million all of a sudden. 
And a number of those athletes, years later, are broke. And you're thinking, how in the world did that happen? They didn't know how to manage the little bit that they had. But all of a sudden, they were given all this wealth. They didn't know how to manage it. So what they do? They spent it. They wasted it. They lost it. They whatever. And they're in a bad situation. Another purpose for money. I believe money serves as a heart monitor. It helps us to see where our commitment is. It helps us to see where our commitment is. You know, speaking of giving, just touch on that a little bit. I'm not going to teach on that, but just touch on it. Giving, tithing. If you get paid once a month or weekly or whatever, and then you tithe or give regularly based on when you get your paychecks, that is a weekly reminder to show you where your heart is. In other words, let's say this month, October 1st, I give, give my tithe, and I'm good. Everything's cool. November 1st, everything's good. December 1st, I'm having a hard time letting go of that money. It's like, man, I start thinking of excuses or reasons why I really shouldn't give this. I should hold on to it just in case. Something has changed in my heart. Something has changed whether I went from trusting God to all of a sudden I'm fearful, trusting in myself, but something has changed. And so money is a great indicator of where your heart is. And I believe God loves us so much that he, he helps us with things so we can be reminded of where I am with my commitment to Jesus. And so money serves, it can serve as a heart monitor. Also, money is to invite us into an incredible walk of faith. And the last one, for God to demonstrate his miraculous provision. Money is to invite us into an incredible walk of faith. There are many people who never experience a financial miracle. Now, they may experience a blessing. You know, they get a huge birthday present or someone... Aunt Bertha, whoever just blesses them financially. But as far as a miraculous provision where they say, wow, that was God. Many Christians don't experience that. Do you know why? Because they don't give God the opportunity. For example, just give you a hypothetical. You have a need. Lord, I'm, I'm really short on, or, you know, something broke down, or I have a need for this. And you pray, oh God, I need money for, I need $1,500 to fix my transmission, let's say. And let's say you are, you, you've been giving, you've been doing things the way the Bible teaches. You pray and ask God for that provision. You wait five minutes and you say, well, I guess God's not going to do it. So then you pull out Mr. Credit Card and you take care of it. So I don't think Mr. Credit Card is God's provision because the Bible warns us against debt many places. So if the Bible is warning us against debt, God's not going to say use debt to meet your needs. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm not saying you're evil for using debt. I've used debt. I have a lot of debt that I've used over the years. I've come under conviction, I've repented, and I'm going in a different direction. Debt no longer is my friend. We're related, because we're stuck right now together. Debt no longer is my friend. 
But God wants to invite us into a life of miraculous provision, supernatural. I mean, supernatural, where it's like, oh my goodness, God did this. I mean, how many of you have heard testimonies where someone needed, I needed $4,322.95. And all of a sudden, they get a check in the mail for that exact amount. I mean, how many of us have heard those kind of testimonies? Or something similar to where it was obvious that it was God that provided. Now, when that happens to you, what does your faith level do? It just goes up, doesn't it? You realize, oh my goodness, God is real, he's awesome, and he loves me. But he doesn't want that just to be once every 10 years. Now, he doesn't necessarily want you to be in need, and so you always have a need to need 5,400 or whatever. But he is inviting us into a place of faith, so we're walking with him, and we get to see his miraculous provision. You know, I remember years ago when, when Trey was a baby. Trey's my oldest son. He's 24 now. So years ago, he was a baby. And I was working here at the church. I was a youth pastor. And I'd been a Christian for a number of years, and I had learned biblical principles. So best I knew, I was, I was giving. I was tithing, doing that, being faithful. Lisa and I were faithful to do that. But money was tight. I mean, money was real tight. And I remember at the beginning of the year, uh, I got a raise, like an inflation raise, a cost of living raise, and so I was very grateful. And then we had this little baby come along, and um, there were needs that we had associated with this baby that we didn't calculate. And, all the, and so I remember I was checking out the bills and, and doing the budget and everything, and I saw that we needed, after it was all said and done, we needed 60 more dollars a month, 60 more dollars a month to be able to cover all our needs because of this little kid in my life. And I remember talking to the Lord. It's like, Lord, I need 60 bucks a month, not just one time. And I already got a raise. I just gotten a raise of a month and a half ago. What am I going to do? And I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I came up with a solution. I'm going to get a second job. I was going to moonlight. Seriously, I was going to go, whether it's McDonald's or wherever, I was just going to work a few extra hours to cover that money because it's my responsibility to take care of my family. And as soon as I, I was making up in my mind, this is what I'm going to do, the Lord said, no, that's not what I want you to do. He says, I've called you to take care of these young people. But God, you don't understand. I got a new baby, you know, formula and all that kind of stuff. He said, no, this is what I want you to do. And I was pretty fearful but I decided to trust. So, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And then I began to quote scripture. Lord, your word says that you promised to meet all my needs according to riches and glory. You said you're going to take care of me. You said that if I put your kingdom first, all these things would be added. He's like, mm-hmm, I know. Later that week, Pastor Dale calls me into his office. He says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Sure. We sit down. He says, we decided to give you a raise. And my response was, what? You already gave me one. I wouldn't recommend that approach. <laughs> I said, you already gave me one. He says, can we give you another one? <laughs> I was not, not going to argue with him. I said, yeah, yeah, praise God. He said, yeah, we decided to give you another, another raise. And he said, after taxes and everything, it's going to be $60 more a month. 
not 70, not 50. Now, before that, when I found out that I needed 60 more dollars a month, I didn't go to Pastor Dale and say, Pastor Joe, I need you to pray with me about something. You ever heard that? I need you to pray with me about something. I need you to pray that God will give me $60 a month, you know. Is the Lord speaking to you today? Lisa and I were the only ones that knew that. And so when that happened, the exact amount, I was freaking out. I was like, God, you just, you just rock. And what did that do to our faith? A year and a half later, we're about to have another baby. His name is Bryant. We decided to do something different with this child, and we used a midwifery clinic to have this child, which is really awesome, really cool. I'm saying all that. I'm not the one that had the baby, right? It was awesome. Man, it was so great, relaxing. <laughs> so, and the way this worked was uh, to pay for the services, you had to pay in full before you had the baby. They wanted their money before they did the delivery, which I understand. So, and it was going to be, you know, X amount of dollars. I was doing the books, doing the figures. It was going to be $100 more a month than I had. I'm like, dang, $100. And I was praying, and I got really scared, and I started fasting. Now, if I start fasting, that means watch out. It's a big crisis. And so I'm fasting and praying because I feel responsible, take care of my family. And my solution was, I'm going to get another job. That was the solution. Now, I was full-time youth pastor back at, at that time. So I'm going to get another job. And I told the Lord, okay, I'm going to get a job. I know McDonald's is hiring. I know these places are hiring. I can get another job. Moonlight, take care of my family. The Lord said, that's not what I want you to do. I'm like, God, you don't understand. I got another kid coming. And he said, I just want you to take care of those children, the youth. I said, okay. I was scared. Now, now, of course, this is a couple of years after the $60 a month. But, you know, when you're in a, a new crisis, we seem to forget about the old one, right? It's like God has forsaken us. He doesn't know how to take care of us. Oh, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? All that. And, and that's why I was fasting because I was really nervous and scared. So I prayed and I determined, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. Well, that week, Pastor Dale calls me into his office. I love going to Pastor Dale's office. He said, hey, and we talked and everything. He says, oh, by the way, we're going to give you a raise. And he said, after taxes and everything, it'll be $100 a month. I'm like, really? Seriously? And now that was the biggest raise that I'd ever, monthly raise that I'd received up to that point. The biggest. I'm like, wow. And see, in the meantime, we were giving, we were tithing, we were doing what we knew, now we weren't perfect, we weren't making all wise choices, but we were, we were moving in that direction. We were allowing the Lord to deal with our hearts concerning finances. And so I believe we put ourselves in a place to where we can lean on him and trust him and say, God, we're short. Well, I'm not short, Lisa's short. Anyway, we're, we're, we're short of finances and we don't know what else to do except trust you. And he says, I got you. I got you. I remember one time, I was, I was coming back from a mission trip. I believe it was Kenya. I can't remember if it was Kenya or India, one of those places. But I was coming back, and I was in the airport. And I remember um, 
seeing this guy sitting there with a laptop. Now, this was 11 years ago. Just remember that, because we were going on our 15-year anniversary, or approaching that. So it was 11 years ago. And, you know, laptop computers were a lot of money. They weren't $299 like you can get them now. They were $1,200. You know, if you wanted a, a decent one. I didn't need a mega computer because I wasn't a computer programmer or anything like something like Chuck would need. I just needed something to play with and do email and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I remember I was in the airport, and I saw this guy sitting there, some business guy sitting there typing email or whatever on his laptop. I was looking at him. I thought, wow, that looks cool. And here's what I said. I said, Lord, I want one of those. It was like, Daddy, Dad, you know, Daddy, I want one of those. And I was serious in my heart. I said, I want one of those. And I was praying, and I said, remember that laptop I showed you, Dad? And I don't know what kind it was. And so it wasn't anything about the specific type of laptop. I just wanted a laptop. And then also, we were approaching our 15-year anniversary, and we were wanting to go to Seattle, where Lori lived. We wanted to go, I wanted to take my wife out to visit her sister and just go hang out and, and let them spoil us and all that kind of stuff. So as I was praying, I realized that to have both of these activities have, I needed $2,000. Needed two grand. Now, that was not in the budget. It wasn't. And, uh, and it wasn't a need either. This wasn't, I didn't fast on this one because it wasn't like, oh, no, we don't have enough food. But it was a desire in my heart. And I said, hey, Daddy, I'd like. And so um, I remember not too long after that, within a week or two, um, Dale and the elders, they, they gave us uh, bonuses. And it was the largest bonus we'd ever received. And guess how much I got? $2,000. So I bought me a computer, and we went to Seattle. You know, there's a few weeks, well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bryant, my son, had a close, a very close friend of his pass away, and a number of you know him. And he wanted to come to Stillwater to attend the funeral, and he didn't have the money. And I just so happened to have the money because the Lord blessed me. You know, I preached. I was given an offering, and it was above and beyond what I was even thinking. But I had that money aside thinking, hey, you know, we might need this for something. And guess what? Yeah, we needed it for something. I had to pay for a $600 ticket for my son, almost $600. But the cool thing was, was the Lord provided for that miraculously, even ahead of time. And I could share all kinds of testimonies I shared last week about the cruise, the cruise ship that the Lord gave us. And nowadays, you can go on a cruise for probably five, between three and $500, you can go on a, a decent cruise because they become so competitive and they become very inexpensive. When Lisa and I went on that cruise 22 years ago, the value of that would have been $4,500 if we would have paid for it. And that was given to us because the Lord said, I want you to ask me for a cruise. And I was arguing with him because I didn't think it was him. And then he gave me a $4,500 cruise, me and my wife. The purpose of money, one of the purposes is God wants to invite you and I into a miraculous relationship with him. Where we become overwhelmed at the goodness of God because we, we put ourselves in a trusting, in a situation where we trust him, that doesn't mean being irresponsible. 
That doesn't mean me sitting on the couch saying, all right, God, you got this. I know you're going to take care of my needs. But we do what we can do and we're supposed to do, and then we trust God to do what we can't do. One last story. My son, Bryant, was going to go with me to Kenya one year. And I, you know, I told him to pray. I said, you need to pray and see if you're supposed to go on this trip with me. And he said, yes, I'm supposed to go. And he knew that meant you're responsible to raise your finances. You're responsible to earn your money. I wasn't going to pay for it. I was believing God for my finances. I said, you need to raise the money and seek the Lord how to do that. So Bryant would work. He would um, sell candy bars, cut grass. Do it. He was doing everything he could to raise money. And I remember he, uh, we used to make these cross necklaces, disciples cross necklaces. And I remember he went to the store, to the book, Christian bookstore, and he sold two, and the lady gave him an $80 tip. Selling for $10 a piece, she bought two and gave him a $100 bill, told him to keep the change. So he was freaking out. He was all excited about that. But he was still short. It was two days before the money was due. He was still short $131. And he came to me that night. He said, Dad, we only have two days left, and I'm still short. And I said, how much? We added it up. He was $131, something like that, short. He's like, he was freaking out. And on the inside, I was freaking out, but I wasn't going to show him because I'm the man of God. I said, son, you just need to trust, trust the Lord and, and do what you can do and trust God to do what you can't do. And he says, Dad, I am. I'm, I said, keep praying. And then when he left, I'm like, God, my son needs, you know. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? You, you tell your kids what they're to do, and then you're in the, in the closet, and you're freaking out. Oh, God, please help my kid. I don't want his faith to be destroyed because you didn't come through. You know, silly prayers like that. And I'm sure God just smiles at us. So anyway, I remember the, the last day I was in the office, and uh, Bryant was doing everything he could. He was still, still short. And a lady walked into the office to... Uh, there was a team of us going on this trip, and she came in, and she was going to surprise her, uh, someone that she knew that was going on a trip. She wanted to cover their, cover their way, and she goes, hey, how much does so-and-so owe because I want to cover that, and I looked, and I said, oh, he's done. Somebody already blessed him. Somebody in the church had already blessed him with the finances to go on a trip, and she said, oh, that's a bummer. And then she, because she had her checkbook out, and then she's about to leave, and she goes, does anybody else on your team have need? I said, no, we're all good. We're all good. The reason why I said that is because, for some reason, I felt like Bryant was my responsibility. Although I couldn't do anything about a situation. But, so it was like, well, no, we're, we're all good. She said, okay. Then she stopped and looked at me. She said, are you sure? Are you sure there's not? And I said, well, actually. <laughs> I said, yeah, my son, he's still short. And she goes, well, how much? And I told her. She goes, oh, why didn't you tell me that? I mean, she almost rebuked me, but she didn't. And she wrote out a check for $131 or something like that. And she said, here. She covered it just like that. So then uh, later on that evening, I come home, and, and I call Brian. And I'm kind of mean sometimes. And I said, hey, Brian. I said, how's it going with the money? And I said, do you have all your money? He says, no, Dad, and tomorrow. And he's starting to freak out. The freak out mode is, is intensifying. And I got this check in my pocket. I'm like, Wilson, have you been praying? <laughs> have you been believing God that he's going to, you know, you know that holier-than-thou thing you can be in? He's like, yes, Dad, um, you know. And I said, well, here, someone gave this to me. 
And I handed it to him. And then, of course, freak out just went to another level. But what did that do to him? Well, he believed God called him to go on this trip. And that he was doing everything he knew to do to honor God and to trust him and to follow him. And then God took care of his needs. And it's interesting because to, to date, he's, if you look materially or financially as far as income and everything, he's the, he's the most blessed one at this point. He's the most financially blessed. His life has been an adventure, been crazy adventures, but he puts himself in situations where he trusts his daddy, not this daddy, bigger daddy, because daddy has shown himself faithful all these times. And he says, God, I know I can trust you. Matter of fact, I'm going to close with this. When we took him to Bethel, he knew he was supposed to go to Bethel. We knew, the Lord told us, your job is to get him there. That's it. Your job is to get him there. I mean, he needed thousands of dollars to get into school and everything. We couldn't do anything about it. Our job, the Lord said, you just get him there. So we literally take him 1,500 miles away. We stay with him a couple of days, and then we hug and kiss, and we say bye, and we get in the car, and we leave. And he does not have enough money to get in school and school starts in a few days. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Me and the Lord had a lot of conversation concerning that. And I believe Lisa and the Lord too. Or I think you guys had already figured it out. I can't remember. Yeah, she already had to figure it out. She's a little further along than I am. And I remember when I was in, I was, uh, I think Pastor Dale had already beat me downstairs. We always raced to go downstairs. He had already beat me downstairs in the prayer room, and so I was in the, in the uh, nursery talking to the Lord, saying, Lord, I just dropped my kid off 1,500 miles, and he didn't have enough money to get in school, and just all this, da 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 you know, just, Ugh. And then here's what the Lord asked me. Do you trust me with your son? But God, you don't understand. Do you trust me with your son? And it's funny because probably a couple of days before, the Lord and Bryant were having the same conversation in a different perspective. Bryant was freaking out because he couldn't call me. I couldn't just drop everything and just go help him. He knew that. And so he was kind of freaking out. And the Lord says, I'm your dad. Do you trust me? So the Lord was asking Bryant, do you trust me as your father? And the Lord was asking me, do I trust him with my son? I said, yes. Surrendered. Things happened. Provision came in. School was taken care of. And he's been on many adventures trusting God and he, him seeing miraculous provision and miraculous blessing and favor on his life. Doesn't have a college degree, but he's making more money than a lot of people coming out of college even make. And someone even told him that he was, he was going to be a loser because he wasn't pursuing college. Kind of crazy. But I think, and nothing is, nothing is wrong with college, but it's all about what is the Lord telling you to do? If he's saying go to college, go. If he's saying go this direction, go that direction. But the point is, when it comes to our finances, God is wanting to invite us into an amazing, crazy, awesome, scary adventure with him. Let's stand up together.
<laughs> yes. You say something. Only for, yes, this is only for preachers and their kids. Good question. What do you guys think? But this is for all of his kids. All of his kids. And he's wanting to invite all of us into this type of relationship. And some of us who have been, we've been, you know, knee deep or waist deep. We've been, we've been doing pretty good. Been doing great. And the Lord would say, well done. He says, now let's go some more. Let's go some more. Because maybe you've been faithful all these years, but the Lord is saying, okay, I want you to come deeper because he's wanting to entrust more to you. Maybe you can believe God for tens of thousands of dollars. Maybe you've gotten to the place to where you believe God and you've seen him provide a million dollars. And God says, well done. Let's go for 10, let's go for 20 million. Let's go for half a billion. And see, that sounds crazy from our perspective, but we're talking about the one who owns it all, right? Let's not limit him. Let's not limit him to what he wants to do in your life. That's my challenge to you. So here's what we're going to do for a few seconds. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and allow the Holy Spirit to put his hand on whatever it is in your life where, you're, where you lack trusting him concerning your finances. And just let him minister to you. Now, he's not going to be dragging you into something. He's not going to be yelling and rebuking you. But he's sticking out his hand and saying, come on, daughter. Let's do this together. Come on, son. Let's do this together. Father, we do open our hearts to you. And Lord, the place where we're stuck and afraid, we just give you permission to help us in that area. I'm not saying I'm surrendering that to you, Lord, but I'm asking you to, to at least help me. And I thank you, Father. I thank you that you're extending your grace to all of us to be able to trust you on a higher level. Because you want to entrust to us on a higher level. And we say yes to you. We're no longer slaves of fear. Money is not our master, but Jesus is. And we choose to shift that allegiance from money to Jesus. And we will worship you, Father. We will put our trust and our hope in you, not money. We love you and we bless you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.